is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen, joined by Joyce Ng. Joyce, we have so much to talk about again. We saw the color purple last week. Did you enjoy it? Uh, sure. I wanted you tell me what you thought first, and then I'll. Why I'll are you gonna piggyback off of my thoughts? <laughs> no, I just want to hear what you think. I like to listen to what you think. What? Why? What you think of the film, Joyce? Well, I asked you first. Uh, I thought it was fine. Here's what I would say. I thought it was completely fine. Uh, I think a lot of the, uh, when we saw it, we saw it a Friday evening, lovely event, uh, Warner Brothers screening room. I would say a a home team crowd, a lot of applause, a lot of applause for numbers, certainly for at least one or one performer in particular, which we'll talk about. Uh, I thought it was perfectly fine. I think I never saw the stage musical. And I think based on how the movie played out and just reading about it, it felt like a very faithful adaptation of the musical. And it felt very much like a musical. Um, I don't know how it's a weird way to describe it, but I was like, this feels like a real, like it's a musical on film. A lot of times I felt like it was um, just a strong adaptation of it, but I just could didn't really, I guess I would say I didn't love the book and some of the songs I think could have been a little more memorable. Um um, I, I liked it. Um, I think it's good. And, uh, I also have never seen the stage musical and I have not read the book or seen the Spielberg film in decades. So right. it's been a while. I have not revisited the source material or the narrative film in a bit. It, it's funny. I, I also had not revisited the Spielberg film, but I've seen that. And I was like, it's funny how much I remembered of the film watching the musical. Did you feel that way? It was just like, oh yeah, I've, this well, is- Well, I mean, like, I know the story. Right. I just don't know the stage adaptation or the song. Right. Like, right. I know the song titles. I've just never heard of them. Right, same. So, um, I thought, like, uh, you know, I thought, like, one of the things I, I we're not going to talk spoilers here, I, I would imagine, but I, I was mean, just like- you can't really spoil it. <laughs> one of the things I found, like, I just was like- you know, in musicals, when you watch a musical, like obviously you're suspending disbelief to such an extent that like things could happen, like time could move and, and you're just watching the act and you know like what's happening. And then the, sh- the movie, they, the same thing happens. It takes place over 40, 45 years. Uh, and like uh, just one example, I was like, David Alan Greer is in it. He plays a preacher, a uh, really fun performance. He's in it, like I would say not a cameo, but he's like not a major factor in the film. And uh, in the beginning of the movie, it's 190 whatever, 1902, I think it starts in. And he's David Alan 1909 it is okay are you sure about yeah i guess you're right yeah uh and he plays david on greer and then 40 years later 
still David Allen Greer looks exactly the same. And I was just like, okay, this works as if you're suspending disbelief for a musical aspect, I guess. But in the movie, I was just like, how old are these people supposed to be? Well, I mean, they're, I would say the hair and makeup work is subtle, but like you can definitely notice it, especially in Fantasia. Um, Absolutely. But it's not very in your face. No. Like if you look for it, it's there. Um, Like he is, I think it's more in his physicality. And honestly, I mean, you know, like older people, like sometimes they just look the same, whether they're, you know, like 80 or 100. Sure. And it, it, I just noticed it from, I just mean like for a music, I felt like that felt like musical, that made it feel like a musical to me. And I'm not, I don't have really have a problem with suspending disbelief totally because I'm like, just think of like Kills a Flower Moon, like uh, Ernest Burkhardt is like, like Leo should have played King Hale, right? Based on age. And so (laughs) the fact that he's playing Ernest Burkhardt in his 20s, you suspend the disbelief and it's fine. Um, but yeah, there are things about the movie I really enjoyed, particularly a couple of the performances. But yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, when we left the screening, I had I had it in for best picture and still in there. Ninth place, sitting there strong. I think it's a very likely best picture nominee based on the response and certainly based on the crowd response. I think it is a crowd pleaser. I saw a lot of tweets. A lot of the tweets were crowd pleaser. And you know what? I think they're right. Uh, it was a, definitely a movie people like to apl- applaud and clap. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was exactly what I expected. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It met my expectations, and, and it's entertaining. Um, it's yeah, it's it does what a musical does. Like it's it's round is rousing. It's crowd pleasing, you know. And um, uh, again, I I have not seen the stage musical, but I it seems like the people who have seen it are happy with the adaptation. Yes, so. I, I thought that too, actually. And I talked to a couple of people after the movie uh, who had seen the stage musical and they were like, yeah, and it's it was a good adaptation on that front. Uh, Performance-wise, I was all in on Danielle Brooks, Joyce, and you'll be not surprised to know at all that I moved her right to the top of my Best Supporting Actress uh, predictions. I feel like she you walk out of the movie and you're just like, yes, that is seemingly a performance that will check a lot of boxes and, and could win. Um, Yeah, I did too. I suspect she'll probably be in first soon. Just an incredible uh, performance. So the movie, like, like the, it has an opening prologue that's about, like, 20 minutes where um, we have the, the main characters are younger, right? Played by uh, Halle Bailey and um, I forget the new, um, what's her Alicia name? Alicia Pearl Posse. Yes. Uh, and then there's a whole prologue and then you kind of get to the heart of the story. And that's when, like, Sophia, who is um, Daniel Brooks, shows up. And just basically like just kind of walks in and, and just blows the roof off the movie. Kind of like throws, has a huge uh, song, num- big musical number, is absolutely hilarious and kind of just like explodes the movie in a way that she just kind of stomp- stomps in out in like 10 minutes. And you're like, well, that is a great performance. And then she comes back later and it's like incredibly tragic and like really heartrending. And I was like, wow, she gets to do so much in the movie in this supporting performance. I just felt like, you are definitely, uh, she's running the gamut of emotions and it's such a wonderful performance. I just loved her in it so much. Uh, I, I think she could easily win. Yeah, I would say, I mean, we, we talked about this before, you know, when the movie was largely unseen that uh, we, if like both her and Taraji P. Henson get in for one of them to win, there would need to be a consensus 
favorite between the two of them. Um, and I would say for me, that's Danielle Brooks. It, <laughs> and I definitely, yeah. in our screening, for sure, is Danielle Brooks. It, it's just an amazing performance. I just cannot believe how much fun she is. And it reminded me so much of other obvious, win- like I was like, Ariana DeBose won for West Side Story. And it just felt like the similar kind of like- Oh yeah, no, movie. it's the classic supporting actress, so, yeah. musical, yes. like flashy performance that Oscar voters love, like Catherine Zeta-Jones, mm-hmm. Jay Hood, Anne Hathaway, yep. and Ariana. Like they just have the scene stealing number. Um, like, you know, not all of these are, are upbeat, obviously like Anne Hathaway, but it's still a memorable number and um, it it sticks with you. Um, and then that's just kind of like what the Oscars go for, like as yeah. as like an award for a musical that is like probably, except for Chicago, that is like not probably not going to win Best Picture. You know, I, I completely agree. And I was like, yeah, she's just amazing. I just thought she was absolutely amazing. In it. And like we've said, this is a category since Lily Gladstone has moved off to Best Actress that felt like I think Devon Joy Randolph remains like a like a front runner, and certainly like I have her in second. Um, but I think the passion around the Daniel Brooks performance, like you said, like people were literally every she had like multiple. She had the audience breaks. in the palm of her hand. Like yes. I, I knew you know, like she got raves for her Broadway turn. She got a Tony nomination, probably would have won if not for Hamilton. Yes. So I expected her to deliver and she did. Um, yeah. Just crushed it. Um, and like, it is a very baity role. Like it is comic relief. But if you know the arc of that character, like she has material. In yeah. Third it, act. It, it's comic relief until it's not, I think. Yeah. And then it's like very, very serious. And it like really adds, and she just crushes those scenes too. I just found her like so uh, empathetic and it's just a great performance, like top to bottom. I just loved her in it so much. And she has probably, I would, I mean, I'm sure this is like, like you said, I'm not super familiar with the musical, but I would say that was the best song in the film. It's like her big number, I think is like a great song. Hell no. I think it is, it's definitely the the catchiest number like that's her signature so i i knew going in like that was her signature song sophia's and show gabriel's was push the button yeah and uh Seely's is i'm here her big ballad at the end right so i knew that i had never heard them right but i would say of all those three like i i want to sing hell no great song i think people are really going to walk out just humming it and singing it she also gets to play hers i mean like she has great scenes. Corey Hawkins, I think, is wonderful in it, too. And I don't think he'll get nominated, but I just thought he was great. And, like, so much of her material is off of him, too, which I found really great and uh, a lot of fun. So I, I would rank her, like, far and away the best performance in the film. I was also really captured by uh, Coleman Domingo. I don't think the character totally works uh, based on just I. It, so much has to happen. And I think the this is what I don't remember, I guess, in the movie, Joyce. This, he doesn't have, like, a... He plays Mister, obviously. Who's uh, he doesn't have like a redemption in the movie, and I don't know if he necessarily has a redemption in the film. But it felt like they were trying to musical it to a redemption. Did you get that sense or no? I guess I didn't remember the movie in that. Well, aspect. no, I mean, like he basically does the same thing at the end in in the Spielberg film right. that he does here, just in a different way. Right. Um, but he facilitates it too in yeah. the the Spielberg film. Okay. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it's like in the stage musical. I'm assuming, I know songs were cut. I don't know what songs. So, right. But I'm assuming there's like, you know, maybe another song up, like from his perspective about maybe. that. In the maybe. Stage musical. I, I did think he was great. I'm almost correct us now, so. 
I did. I did think he was great. I, I really loved him. I didn't I, put him in. I, I I liked him more here than in Rustin. Probably yes, but I don't think I think he'll get in for Rustin still, and I think this only helps him getting in for Rustin. I don't know if he. I I don't have him in for either. So. So I don't have him in for this, but I think he was great in it. And then I also thought a uh, Taraji was funny. Like the obviously, I don't. I didn't actually put her in, even though I think she's quite good in the movie. And like you said, push that button is like a big kind of like centerpiece number. Um, the problem, not the problem, but with her role, it's so much of a facilitator, it feels like for the narrative that she didn't have as much of like dramatic heft that like Danielle gets later in the film, nor Fantasia. Oh, well, see, I, I think it's the opposite. And I think that is like a little ironic because I, I her arc is so tied to Celie's like she is supposed to provide that guidance I mean both her and uh, Shogun Sophia are like that because they're these aspirational strong-willed women right um that uh Celie would like to be right but she has a closer relationship with Shug right um so I would say like she she probably has more screen time than Danielle because Danielle disappears for a large chunk so she there is a lot of material between Celie and Shug. Um, but I, I agree. I just, I don't think she, you know, like she just like doesn't steal the movie the same way that Danielle does. And, you know, she is great and her big number pushed the button. And uh, she's also very funny, like her arrival and everything. Um, and then just like all, all the little, like very quick and subtle shifts between her interactions with Mr. and Seeley. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just, I, I think like Danielle's performance and that role is just the one that people are going to eat up more. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I already had Taraji in, so I just kept her in, but I, I mean, I, I had Danielle already. higher than Taraji right. already. So, but now I just have Danielle first. I didn't, I didn't have Taraji and I didn't put her in. And I think if she gets in, it would be very well-deserved. Like you said, it's like, I feel like it's just like peak, like very, uh, just a lot of stuff Taraji Piantin does really well, like all the time yeah. in the movie. And so she, like you said, she's like hilarious. I don't I actually think Danielle's funnier, but like she is hilarious also in her own way. And she has like a lot of great moments and she does have like a couple of like nice moments with yeah and um, she does have like dramatic moments because like she's uh you know she's estranged from her dad uh david allen greer yeah i would that's say like it, it's not i i wouldn't say it's as um dramatic <laughs> as danielle's stuff no, it's you know? not and i also felt like that to me was like something i didn't need like there's a scene later if you're on you it's don't like, want to be spoiled. No. Whatever. There's a scene later. Har and 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 David Allen Greer have a scene late in the film where I was just like, "This is." It felt like this. That was where I felt like it was a musical because I could imagine that on stage just being like a nice moment because every character has to have like a nice moment. And I was just like, it totally is unnecessary for the movie because we haven't given enough time or weight to this relationship at all. And like they've talked about it briefly, but it's just like in passing, and it's like the fifth or sixth most important like emotional beat in the movie. And that it just didn't, it, it's a nice scene, but it didn't have any, it, it didn't, I didn't like, it didn't grab me because I was just like, this feels so extra. It just feels like you, added You know what's on. so funny? Um, These two girls behind me after that scene ended, one of them said the other was like, oh, is he her dad? <laughs> so, 
I mean, it's not, that's naturally not, not hard to believe that they thought that because it's a very, you don't really know. Uh, it doesn't, it, it's just not, it's in there if you're looking for it. It's obviously in there if you're looking for it, but it's just like not. Well, not it's, it's mentioned expositionally in the beginning. Yes. And then there is another, a, a scene with them in a church later, but it's not like, and then she interacts with him. Well, and that's another problem, not a problem, but another issue I have with the way the timeline works. And I think the this is different from the book because I don't think the book goes into the late forties, like or, or the movie, the Spielberg movie doesn't necessarily go in the late forties. That I'm pretty sure of. Um, is that so much time? Pa- like, there's like a time jump in this that's like six years, I think, at one point, and it feels like none of like a lot of the action has not changed in the six. You know what I mean? Like certain conversations happen where it's like. Wouldn't you have said this like at some point? I don't know. It just, that was like a little, so that's why I don't think it's super clear like with her relationship with her dad necessarily. Anyway, she's very good in the movie, but I didn't put her in after seeing it, even though like I could, I could see her getting in for sure. But I think because Danielle is so overwhelmingly good, I think she will get like most of the passion from the film and the support in that category. And Taraji could still get in, but I wonder if there's room then for other performers who are also beloved to get in like in that four or five spot. I would put Taraji like four or five for me. I have her five. So that means uh. I feel like that would make her vulnerable to like getting knocked out. I put in, so my five now there are Danielle Brooks first, Devon Joy Randolph, Jodie Foster, Emily Blunt, and Julianne Moore. I slipped back in Joyce because after we talked, I felt like I do think there's going to be a lot of Were you emboldened on. by the Rapture's response to May, December's release this weekend? A little. Press tour. A little. And, and Charles Melton giving his mom's kimchi to everyone. If you want to know, I have Charles Melton in too. Uh, but you, but you I, didn't get you didn't get a jar of kimchi. No, but I just put him in. I just I just feel like there's going to be a lot of passion around that, and it feels like the Julianne Moore performance is like something I think a lot of actors will really enjoy because she's so uh, rich, a lot, of, a lot of material. Um, yeah, I would put um, Taraji. Like, I think I think if I, I think the color of purple will do well like there is a built-in audience for it from the book from the first film and the musical so I think it'll do well in theaters and it'll definitely have its fans and support so I I can definitely see it swinging double supporting noms yeah I don't I don't think it's without question and yeah and then I with I I basically didn't change much besides moving Danielle to first. Um, I I did not put Fantasia in. Same. I thought about it, but I also had to move on. So, I was looking at my. So, like we said, what we uh, I, one of the emails I think recently we had was wondering like or like how much is she, like they obviously added material that was like part of the thing and that helped her want to do it right because she had talked about how she didn't really want to even do the movie because the stage show is so. Uh, difficult and like you know like all these things but they added some material to give you more of a sense of uh Celie's like inner life and thoughts right like yeah you go with it's like magical realism you go into but I gotta say there's not that much of it and like her first big number I think is not for an hour and 20 minutes into the movie I looked at my watch because I was like when like she has some like you you were waiting for Fantasia to sing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was a little because I was like, she doesn't like, like Celia is like such an internalized character. She doesn't actually say very much in the film, right? At least in the early stages, she's like very uh, silent and observing and kind of like, you know, it's, 
a lot of internalized emotion. And so I was waiting for her to sing. And it really, it's like maybe like an hour, 15 minutes into the movie is her first big number. And she obviously has like, that is like a backloaded uh, performance. Like you said, she has the big closing number and the the pants one. I forget the name of that song, but that was another big one as well, obviously. That was fun, yeah. Fun little, and great costumes in that part, I thought. Like the just beautiful, uh, beautiful gowns, great gowns, beautiful gowns, but with pants. Um, but yeah, she doesn't have like a lot of stuff. She's not really singing as much. And I felt like, yeah, I didn't put her in basically. It's <laughs> a long story short. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I was like waiting for more, I guess maybe because I was like, based on all the pre-release like interviews, I was expecting a lot more of that magical realism. And the one scene is like her and I think Suge's in the bath and then she's like on a record and it's like really cool and like very well staged and the production design is really cool. I thought that scene was great. Uh, I would have loved more of that, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, Celie is, yeah, like you said, just a very internal character because, you know, she's so meek in the beginning and then she's she really gains that confidence throughout the film through her interactions with Sophia and Shug and everyone. So, yeah, it's it's much more of like, I found myself watch, while watching it, I was like, thinking like what if this were just a straight up remake like a, a straight up narrative film because I think that would really work for Fantasia because it's it's not she doesn't have the show-stopping numbers like uh Danielle and Taraji do like she has I'm here at the end but it's way at the end you know um and and she's very good um and and yeah, she her her big number at the end, like she she sang that live, so that'll be part of the narrative. It's her. great. She's I mean, yeah. the number at the end is great. I mean, like for sure. Yeah. So I don't know if it's I it's it's very much like a slow build kind of performance. I don't know if that has like I don't know how that comes across like on on stage when she performed it on stage because she got you know raves when she did it on Broadway. Um, so. Yeah, but like in in the film, I don't know if like it like that that's like people that's gonna be like people's favorite performance. Even though like I I think most people's favorite performance will be Danielle's. I think Danielle and Toronto and like they're not competing in the same category, no. obviously. But I think and, it's also the, the the way the role. It's not even like like it's not that she does anything. I think the role is great. Like, or like, she's great in the role, but I just, like you're saying, like, I think the other roles pop much more just based on the yeah. way they're positioned in the story. And because yeah. Celia is so meek in the beginning and like the whole movie is about her, like coming into her own. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's a slow burn towards I'm here, right. you know? And, and then like the category, like best actress is so packed this year too. <laughs> well, that's the other issue. I that I'm just like, if I put her in, I would probably just have her in like four or five. So I I haven't had her in. I never had her in back when we did our first picks because I just felt like it felt like not the type of role or performance that would maybe compete with some of these more, just a ton of best actors. I mean, I think it's the type of role that would get nominated. Like a win is, is a different story, but I think if the year were weaker, she would be in, but- uh because so right, now so she's, competitive. right now she's in sixth she's behind, ahead of Annette Benning, who I have in and I still have Margot Robbie in I don't have Sandra Huller in and then Fantasia so I would have like Sandra Huller and Fantasia in my like six seven spots probably 
Yeah, I would say I would probably have her in my imaginary sixth right right now um, because I do think the movie is very appealing and it would be appealing to actors. Like I could see it do really well at SAG if they get screeners out, you know? I absolutely, we were, I was going to ask you about this. I felt like absolutely now I feel like it's safe to get in at SAG. And I think like Danielle and Taraji can both get in at SAG, even if Taraji doesn't get in at the Oscars. And I could even see Fantasia getting in there as well, or Coleman, or both, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, I think it will play really well at SAG. Yeah, I mean, they just have to get this, the screeners out. Like, I think, it, you know, it's definitely a threat to win ensemble yeah. there if it gets in. Um, but, yeah, with Best Actress, I I don't know. I just left her out for now yeah. because I didn't want to think about it too much and I had to move on. Um, yeah. But I, I think she can she can get in. Um, and I, I think it would be like a, a lower tier nominee yeah. uh, if she were to get in. Um, cause I, I mean, I did have her in, you know, when we did our early picks and then yeah. the year just turned out so competitive and then I just dumped her because her movie wasn't seen yet. Right. And then now I'm just like, I don't know she can maybe i mean there's so many like everyone from that six to ten area could get in and i wouldn't be surprised yeah i mean i think she's got a great narrative like the like you always say like it's great to leave like as long as the end is good right like that's gonna help so she has like the great whatever you think of the performance and like the lack of material maybe in the first half of the film uh she's got a great ending so it helps you know yeah yeah. and and, you know not that they're they're able to campaign um you know they've they've been working it they've i think they're in london right now they were in london yesterday yeah. promoting um and i think she'll be great on the trail because she's she's already you know uh adding her personal perspective mm-hmm. on it like she's talked about like how she like doing this film like made her you know talk to family members she hasn't talked to in 20 years and everything and she talked about like her her overdose and everything so and i think you know she's very charming um so i think that can help like you you love a good campaign i think all I three of them will be great on the campaign the three ladies i absolutely agree i think they'll be very fun and um i think this is like i mean it's weird because like i feel like people were like oh i shouldn't have like i saw people being like oh, i had to put it back in but i'm like why would you have ever taken it out i didn't never even thought of taking this oh i never took the movie picture. out no and I like never thought of like you know, like you said, moving Danielle Brooks into first. I don't have Taraji and I still think she could easily get in. I don't have Fantasia in, but she could easily get in. I think Coleman Domingo could also get in, but I just think that category is too crowded, frankly. And there's barely enough room for five. And he has Rustin. So I think that'll help him for Rustin. And then crafts wise, I had it in for costume design. I left it in. Um, I could see it getting in for production design, but I don't have it in. I think sound would obviously be competitor whenever we figure that out. Um, an original song is very crowded this year. There are two songs in the movie. One song by Halle Bailey that I think would be the one. The other one is the Corey Hawkins one, which is a little shorter and like a little more like not tossed off, but it's like great number. But I just don't think it has like the weight of the other song. Um, I like the the Halle song. Yeah, I think that's the uh, one that would get in. I mean, it's it's also a, a packed category. I, I I actually would not put it in, but I think that is the best bet from the movie, um, because it is a packed category. And there's actually 
it's like the one of two Halle Bailey songs because she also has one from a little mermaid that's really good so it is a competitive a crazy competitive category but I think you know color purple will be in there for a like four five six nominations would you say maybe more uh I mean I could see it just kind of replicating West Side Story they sorry get seven yes um, I don't think I'll director like it did. No. So West Side Story had costumes, I believe, sound, supporting actress, and picture director. What one am I missing? Production design. Um. Yeah, they they it got production. It didn't get editing. Oh no, cinematography. Did it get cinematography? Supporting actors, production design, costume design, sound, director, picture, and cinematography. Yeah, Janish. Um, yeah, so I, I I feel like that feels like doable for the film. So I would say picture, supporting actors, production design, costume design, sound, not best director. Maybe cinematography, maybe something else. I don't I think cinematography is too crowded too, but I could see again. I yeah, I don't have it in cinematography um but the absolute floor then would be supporting actress picture costume design sound and production design would be five um yeah i don't think it'll get screenplay no, I, I, no fault of the screenplay. I, just I mean, like musicals just don't really get screenplay nominations yeah. in general. So I will say that the screenwriter was at the screening we saw um, and he spoke after it and was an incredibly uh, charming presence. So he's a huge stan of the. Yes. So. Um, that's the color purple choice. Anything else? Any, uh, any, any other comments you heard? Uh, coming out of it um no um i think i think a lot of the the not surprise me because i mean people are you know always excited once they see a movie they like anyway but i think that is amplified when it's a musical yes because it is such a crowd it's usually you know very crowd pleasing so you come out of it liking it more tenfold so um but I think it's a good movie and you know I it met my expectations <laughs> yeah I, I, I would say that's fair like, I would I would agree with that I think that's, yeah and that's then I think it, it's also kind of on par with uh you know my game of telephone um of what I heard from people who had seen it earlier yeah like, same actually back. I yeah it's like very because sometimes like you know, if if I hear something from people who who had seen something before I did, like I might be like, "What the hell did they watch? Like this sucks," you know, or like I love this if they hated it. But this I felt like was right on the money. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the people we had heard who had, or a lot of people I spoke to had seen it like months ago, were like, "It's good. It's exactly yeah. what you're thinking," and it's like, "It's good. It's exactly what you're thinking." So it's like that's that's what it. Is. I mean, I feel like a lot of movies this year to me would qualify for that. Like Holdovers is a similar movie to me where I was like, it's exactly what you're expecting. Uh, this is this is the movie. So yeah, that's not bad. People like it. I do think this will do really well as a real movie that people see, to, you know, compared to- Yeah, it's familiar IP. Yeah. Um, it's an important text. 
yeah i think i think oh. people will absolutely see it uh so that's good and that'll help it too i think in the conversation because it's going to feel like a yeah i don't think it's going to be a, a box office flop like no. west story was because it doesn't have to deal with covid yeah <laughs> and it opens. No. I, I absolutely yeah. think that's right i mean yeah that's great so that's color purple the other other stuff we're going to move on to Joyce, uh, maestro is out right now if you're watching this um just in time for thanksgiving limited release i think people do you think people should i guess because it's wednesday so they they could watch it and then watch the thanksgiving day parade on thursday and look for a snoopy balloon or they could watch it after the parade I would say probably watch it after the parade. I think you'd have a newfound appreciation for the scene. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there. Uh, I mean, it's a ne- it's on Netflix in in December. The box office in this case doesn't really matter, but it's a great opportunity then to have our uh, the movies cast all over the place. Choice. Uh, they've they've been everywhere um, the past week, working really hard, and just a lot of Q and A's. I'm going to read off some of this because I got a, I got a list here. We, we Last week, we spoke about the DGA one that uh, Spike Lee did with Bradley. And Lin-Manuel Miranda hosted one, right? We, we mentioned those. We saw Iron Claw instead of the Lin-Manuel Miranda one. And I was disappointed. So I do love me some Lin-Manuel Miranda, even though I thought Iron Claw was pretty good. Uh, let's see. Bradley uh, screening on Friday. A lot of famous. Oliver Stone. Meg Ryan was there. Jennifer Garner moderating a SAG screening. Saw a picture I mean, of that. You know, you know, I love my Sydney and Will. So. Great. Jennifer Garner looked awesome. Love it. Alias reboot. Ryan Johnson at a WGA Q&A with Bradley and Josh Singer. Todd Phillips is at a DGA uh, event. All standing ovations at these, obviously. Though I'm like, when you're at an event. They're, go- they're going to stand if the famous person is there. I just feel like that's already built in. Yeah. What is your take on, just to go back to Color Purple, what do you feel like when audiences applaud movie musicals? You know how I like silence when I watch things. So. I can watch things with people. So I hate when there are reactions. Like I don't mind laughter and comedies. Like I understand that reaction, but I also want it to die down so I can hear the next line. This is why yeah. I need closed captioning in movies, normalized closed captioning. So I can at least read the dialogue if people are laughing or making noise uh i always find it weird i'm like it, they're not here to receive the applause but i do yeah, think it's it not is- live like it's not the actual we're not on broadway <laughs> but i do think it's indicative of a successful moment when there yeah. is a clear applause moment and then the audience does fill the space i will say that the the screening we saw i'm not saying there were plants but it did feel like a couple of times where it was like somebody was absolutely going to clap and then everybody well there was one i forget what moment it was but like i think it was the end of a song or something maybe it was just another you know killer danielle line uh that she nailed but people did try to clap and no one else engaged so then they quit yes i noticed that too uh but it's i think it's indicative of a successful movie that being said well yeah because like that's when you know like oh this is landing like we had that at Maestro after yes. the cathedral scene. Everyone applauded that. Huge Jeremy Strong loved it. I watched him clap. 
And that is absolutely the best part of the movie, uh, mm. Maestro. And I think that'll be a centerpiece of Bradley. I think Bradley mentioned he worked six years to learn how to conduct that or yes, something. Yes, that, that was that was the aggregated story last week. Yes. So a lot of I didn't up. read the story, Joyce. I just read the headline. So I don't no, even know. No, that was just over. that was that was from the QA that we missed. Got it. So that, that that just, you know, just got SEO'd to death everywhere. The aggregators are out in force. Uh they're doing it screenings all this week too. Paris Theater here in New York. Uh, Carrie Mulligan's going to be there at 11 a.m. Just flying back tickets. and forth. New York to uh, New York. So they're out there. This is like, I mean, we said this last week. Bradley was like the winner of the uh, post-SAG strike uh, race, arms race and campaigning. It's a great timing for it too because the movie is coming out. So it actually feels appropriate. And I, I think feel like, like they great. didn't miss anything. No. So. Uh. It hasn't changed my thoughts of Bradley winning Best Actor. I only feel more emboldened by that pick. I just think he's like winning over Hollywood vote by vote. I mean, you could say that last time too, and we know what happened. Do you think this has helped him get more into the Best Director race? We don't have him in, neither one of us. And I haven't really thought about putting him in because it's such a competitive field. But... I'm starting to think maybe I'll end up having him in at the end. Um, no, I don't think so. And then we talked about this last week. It doesn't feel like he is focusing on that aspect of his work this time. That's true. It's very much about how, you know, like the ghost of Leonard Bernstein came to him. Right. And how he spent six years learning to conduct six minutes of Mahler. Right. right. And everything. So I think there's more focus on the performance and just like general aspects of the movie as a whole. Like they're, they've also done a lot of, he did, he did a Q&A last week too with just his below the line people, yes. his craft team, you know? Yes. So I think it's like the, the movie overall. Um, and I do feel like maybe I don't remember much from five years ago, but I do feel like he's, he's definitely done a lot more in the lead up to a release. And I don't know if that's because of the strike and they're like trying to make up for lost ground from, you know, Venice or whatever. But I felt like he, he didn't do that much save for the infamous New York times. profile. So, time. I thought that too. I will say a couple of things just from like, a, he hasn't done, he's done a lot of events, not a lot of like profiles. Right. So that's, yeah. that's probably good. PBS Sunday morning. That's it. right. Sure. I guess. Uh, but he seems like he seems more comfortable this year with this than he did with star is born. Do you get that sense? I mean, obviously we don't know him at all and I'm just going by just the stuff we see on social media of these events. Right. But I'm like, he seems very comfortable with his movie, very confident in like the movie more so than even star is born where it was like star is born was like him trying to prove that he could be a real director. And this is, I know I'm a real director and this is a good movie. Like that's the yeah. vibe I'm getting. Well, we also know that, he got maestro because Steven Spielberg saw a star is born is like, you're going to direct this. So it feels like there's a more confidence to his. That's why I'm like, maybe he's actually more of a, like maybe I should be taking him more. Not that I'm not taking him seriously in best director. I'd probably have him like five to 10 or six to 10, excuse me. But I'm like, maybe I should be taken more seriously because I wonder if the confidence that he seems to have with his directing is like, engendering him to a very finicky branch that has been insular in the past 
Um, I think it's just, it's still too competitive and I think they're still insular. Okay. I mean, I'm not putting them in, but I could see doing so, it. I mean, I can see a Globe nomination. Definitely. Globes, so, Joy, speaking of the Globes. On oh, CBS, they have a home. Yeah, they have a home. CBS, coming soon to CBS. Paramount Plus. I got to say, the Globes with the lead-in of an NFL uh, playoff game. Is it a, a, a double game header. Point or a double header? It's just like yeah. a regular, yeah. Great. That's going to be the I most watched I can't wait for show. it to start 38 minutes late. It's going to be That's going to be, the Golden Globes will actually, absolutely have more viewers than the Emmys. That's my prediction. Well, this is also, the, the Globes are on the same night as the second night of the Creative Arts Emmys. Yes. yes. <laughs> can't wait. So it's going to, it's going to be a great time in January. Yeah. Uh, just going through the release. If you're watching this and like, what should I see for Thanksgiving? There's a lot of stuff. Is Maestro, if you find a theater, Napoleon, we talked about last week out in theaters, Ridley Scott, just owning the press tour. Um, just love a Ridley Scott press tour. This is exactly what I missed last year. So complete lack of fucks. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Some the the Times UK one was great. The guy was like the interviewer was like, uh, "Martin Scorsese really was upset, you know, thinking about his the end of his life and all these things." And Ridley Scott's like, "I don't give a fuck." Basically, he was yeah, like, he's like, "I've I'm made four movies." He's like, "It took him movies. like seventeen years to make Hills of Flower Moon." <laughs> I pop these babies out every six months. <laughs> I've made four movies since he made Flower Moon. I just wake up every like, day and think about, oh, I got another problem to solve or whatever. Like, and it was like, like, you know, the, the French hate themselves. Like, who gives a fuck? He said it's a per- Napoleon's a perfect movie for streaming. Streaming is great for it because you can pause and get a beer. It's true. I mean, like, I, I, I want the four and a half hour cut. I've he been said- telling my, because I told my friends about Napoleon over the weekend. <clears> and <throat> they they had the the reaction that I think a lot of people have when I say that it's funny because they were like unintentionally funny. I was like, no, intentionally funny. And like, they don't, like that's like a disconnect for people. Cause I think they just, again, like I think people are expecting this very serious, you know, war epic. Um, And I'm like, no, it's actually doing something and subverting a very (laughs) common trope. And it's funny. So, um, and some of my friends are gonna see it this weekend, so. I think it'll, like you said last week, I think it'll do well. Napoleon's a brand name. Yeah, IP. Sky P. There are also a lot of history nerds out there, so. A lot of dads. Mm-hmm. Go with your dad on Thanksgiving. Did you nope. see uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Instagram? No, I didn't. He wrote like an essay recapping Ridley's career. Um, and, you know, obviously ending with a shout out for Napoleon and it was the Napoleon trailer. In my group, uh, one of my friends and I have been texting about this. What's your, where are you on Ridley Scott choice? Do you think he's a good director? Yeah. Um, I think, I think he can be a great director. I think like good is accurate. I think, I think he can be messy. Me too. But I enjoy most of his movies. What are your favorite Ridley Scott movies? Um, Thelma and Louise. I love Black Hawk Down. Okay. So Gladiator. Great. Um, I mean, like, I really like Napoleon, The Last Duel. Okay. So, um, but like Kingdom of Heaven, no. <laughs> so I was looking through his list. Uh, Alien. I think we could say Alien. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Alien. Mm-hmm. 
Blade Runner, I'm always mixed on. I'm not a big Blade Runner person. No, same. So, uh, Thelma and Louise, I agree. I think that one's a winner. I'm skipping 1492 Conquest of Paradise, White Squall, G.I. Jane, Gladiator. Obviously, I enjoy. I don't know if it's actually even good anymore, but I've seen it so many times. I like it and I enjoy it. Whether yeah, if somebody told me it wasn't good, I would believe them, I guess. But it's not my fave, but it's just it's like it's a solid good movie. I think he makes solid movies. Here's here's possibly my favorite. I'll give you two or three that I think could be my favorite. American Gangster, I absolutely love. Uh, I'm not really into that, but sure. Just the incredible Denzel. Denzel and Russell Crowe, the virtuosity reunion I needed. Uh, it's the best. Uh, the Counselor, I think, is obviously just a classic deranged, uh, uh, just sicko cinema. Love it. Really good. Uh, and Alien Covenant, I actually love. More than Prometheus, which I don't think is successful. Yeah, I'm not into that. Um, the Martian? You like The Martian? I like The Martian. Um, I, again, like another solid movie. He makes a lot of bees. A solid, a, bee, a lot of bees, which is good. I mean, I think he would like, you know, he churns them out. Like he said, he's made four movies since Marty started on Flower Moon, which is yeah. hilarious. Uh, Last Duel, House of Gucci, Napoleon, and he's working on Gladiator 2. I assume those are the four he's talking about. Um, sure. Like, he's a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a great quote. Do you think he's going to get in here? No. I've seen people trying to, like, one at least one part, like, take the movie seriously as a best picture contender and seriously as Ridley for director. Uh, I I think it could get crafts, I and then I wouldn't too. be surprised if like Joaquin got in at the Globes. I guess. Right. Well, we have a question for about that actually later. We'll talk. I, I, hold 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 that thought. Yes. Uh, other stuff out. Wish Joyce, the movie Wish. You're gonna see that. You saw that. I did. With, Not my fave. Your daughter. How did she enjoy it? So we watched it, and she was like, uh the quote was i'm out on the green eyes and i'm out on the the goat i think she says i'm out on she's five jesus this is what, what are you teaching her i don't know uh and then over the weekend she was like let's put wish on the soundtrack and then she was immediately reciting all the lyrics had never heard the songs but once and then was singing along so now she likes it and i'll probably have to see it again over uh thanksgiving break here but does that mean she likes the movie or she just likes the songs? She said she just liked the songs. Then today I asked her and she's like, I like Wish. And it's like, okay, that's fine. She could like, I don't care if she likes it. So she can like whatever she likes. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. She's a flip-flopper like her dad. Yes, absolutely. She was like, well, this part was good. I would just say my take on the movie as a grown-up was uh, the songs are pretty great. I actually think a lot of the songs are good. And I would put uh, the, the, show, the, the showcase song is I think This Wish. Uh, which certainly would get in at the Oscars, I feel like. That just makes me think of this kiss. It'll make you think of a lot of Disney songs too. Uh, I just found the script and the story like really lacking. It felt like, it felt like a movie that they could have kept in the lab a few, maybe a year or two longer to like really crack the story. Cause so much of it is just very rushed and like hand waved and you're not really sure why things are happening. And it's only 80 minutes, which is great. Uh, but you know, not my not my favorite Disney movie, but I think it'll do well at the box office, and I could see it getting in as a best animated feature nominee. Though I don't know if I have it in anymore. 
um my friend we there was an ad for wish um on tv over the weekend and then he was like I don't even know what the hell this is about. He was like, this is not telling me anything. And you know what? I can tell you why you don't know what it's about because I don't know if the movie knows what it's about. It's very rushed. Uh, it's definitely like, let's sing a bunch of good songs and have this cool wish. The, the star is like really great. I'm like a great, uh, great future toy probably for a lot of kids. So we went months without any movies really in theaters. And now I'm looking at the list. Saltburn and Holdovers are also wide this weekend. Saltburn, your second fave of the year. I think it's third. I'd have Barbie and Oppenheimer wow. first. Wow. And then Solver. You're just Solver gonna rules. Barbenheimer to death. I am. I'm going right down. But I love Solver and great movie. And holdovers people still love. Yeah, that's doing really well. And a lot of great responses. Release. Yeah. So we both moved Daniel Brooks into first, but I don't think that means that we don't think Devonjo Randolph can win uh, for supporting actress. No, I have her in second. Um, but I can see a scenario where maybe they split like critics awards, but then Danielle just takes off with the televised stuff and then it's game over. It's it's funny because like you were saying, the Danielle performance is so in line with so many other musical best supporting actress winners. That's, and, what, like, that's has, what they like in this category. For they musicals. love that in the category. And Divine Joy Randolph is like, actually she's also a classic supporting actress winner too it is but she's very it's a very restrained performance like and i think that is like what makes it so good and also what would make it actually lacking compared to the danielle performance in terms of what they would want to win right you get like you know what i mean like it's like like, i think i think she can win i think she would just need a lot of wins and i think she would need to like wins like like critics support and then i think she would need to sneak one of the televised wins well, the other thing too is that the whole i mean no disrespect to color purple which we both said a successful adaptation and certainly a, a future best picture nominee most likely uh but the holdovers is the certainly seemingly the movie that will be more uh the the higher ranked movie right in terms of the voters they will like that they seem like it's like it seems like that will be a preferred movie compared to color purple Yes. Um, and it's a possible screenplay winner. And I've seen people remain pretty dil- like bullish on the idea that it could be the alternate best picture winner to one of the bigger movies like Oppenheimer or Flower Moon. Yeah. I mean, we so, talked about this. Yeah. Like it's it's the crowd pleaser. The so underdog, from so. that aspect, you maybe Devondra Randolph would have the edge because her movie is stronger, but I do think the Danielle performance is like you said, like so classic Oscar win, supporting actress win in the musical. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's also kind of irrelevant um, what ha- what is happening in Best Picture when they're voting on acting categories. Like it's still separate, like if it, like, or any category. Cause I think they're just looking at like these five people. Right in front of them and especially if by that point danielle's won everything like we know how they just like to rubber stamp she'll just sweep through do you yeah. let me nobody asked this question so i'll just ask it before we get to emails we've talked about in the past how there doesn't seem like there's going to be a real sweeper this year right based on but like, now i think like it'd be danielle <laughs> i think danielle would be the number one potential like definitely highest potential for a sweep would be danielle brooks yeah because we've been leaning on rdj and supporting but like that's also competitive. I could still see him sweeping, but I could also see him losing something and still winning the Oscar. I I agree. I, Danielle to me just feels like 
when people see the, I was sitting next to somebody at the movie and when the movie ended, he was like, Oh, so Danielle Brooks is definitely going to win best supporting actor. He doesn't like, he like, obviously he's in the industry, but he doesn't like, he's not obsessed on the award stuff as much as like we he, are. He's, he's a normie. Like a relative normie in terms of award stuff. And he was just like, Oh, well, that's an obvious, she'll obviously win. And I was like, I mean that I think people will just like, I think that's going to feel like that's the vibe. Oh, obviously she's going to win. You know, like we kind of did that with Ariana DeBose after we saw West Side Story. Everyone was like, oh, she Yeah, won. and again, okay. similarly, you know, we knew Maria was an awards role, yes. you know, and we know Sophia is one too. I I think your point too earlier about the Daniel, like the only, to me, the and I'm not the biggest, I'm not the biggest Tony historian, but to me, the only reason that she did not win at the Tony Awards for the color purple is because it was against Hamilton and Renee Elise Goldsberry. And like, if it was any other year, literally she would have won probably. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I remember the reviews she got. Cause I remember when she was cast. Cause obviously like I know her from Orange is New Black, yeah. which is great. Orange is New Black. So, and then, yeah. And then when it opened like the revival, she got these great reviews and yeah, but she wasn't going to win the Tony because of Hamilton. So. And I wonder if people are like reticent to predict her to win the Oscar. I think if she had won the Tony and if it was if it was like, this is a Tony award winning role, then people would be much, anybody who is on the fence would be more inclined to just say, oh, of course she's going to win. I, so I feel like that's like, you shouldn't use that against but her. But I think like are. people are also aware that, I mean, like the production one and Cynthia Rebo won, um, and unlike the original production, um, Jay Hud, who played Suge in the revival, was not nominated alongside Danielle right. in the revival. So she was the sole supporting actress nominee at and the Tony's. Frankly, I could, I could kind of see that happening here. Like I said, I don't have Taraji in. I, don't, I, I was like, though Taraji does have that great number, and she's Taraji P. Jensen. Uh, if she got in, I would not be surprised, but I did not put her in. Uh, it'd be fun. So that could be our one sweeper, I would say. Still. So emails, Joyce. Email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. This is from our old pal Beth, who's a big holdover stand, if you remember. This is a long email, so just bear with me. See how much I read. Beth, if I if I edit this on the fly, I'm just gonna tell you because it's long. Hi, Chris and Joyce. It's me again. I want to discuss something with both of you, or have you discussed between the two of you and leave me out of it? about your personal habits that may overflow into your professional ones or not, as I hope to adequately explain. Because of my space, time, and background, I read a lot of books, and sometimes those books become movies. Sometimes I found out about a book because of a movie. It took some digging on my part to discover that American fiction is based on erasure by Percival Everett. And the majority of the books, DVDs, etc., that I read, watch, come from my library. I'm a former librarian and promote the library and its services anywhere and everywhere I can. We love the library here, Joyce. Pro-library on this show back to the questions do you read the source material for movies i'm excluding television here in all of its forms because it's a completely different discussion before watching them if yes is your personal enjoyment of the movie increased or decreased as a result is your professional opinion taken into account how closely the movie stays with the source material that's the first question then we got another one why don't we pause there and try to answer that and keep well going? we know you don't read i certainly don't read what was the last book you read? Case's book, probably. No, I read Matt Singer's book, Opposable Thumbs, on Siskel and Ebert. So that was the last one. I read like one book a year. When are they going to adapt Case's book into another Bring Readadapt It On? Readapt. Yeah, they should. Another, yeah. 
It could be the making up, bring it on. Absolutely. Make it like disaster artist, but better. Um, so if I know a movie is coming out that is based on a book, I, and I haven't read the book yet, I don't need to read it before the movie comes out. I actually like seeing the movie first and then reading the book to see how it compares. Like I did that with The Power of the Dog. Mm -hmm. I saw the movie and then I bought the book and I read it. So I like seeing that. I did have a Gone Girl. Like I, like that was huge when the book came out. I even read, I even read Gone Girl. Yeah. And I'm like, like, I know it's going to be a movie and I'm like, I'm just going to wait. So I like seeing how it compares after the fact. Um, And then, you know, sometimes I have read something before the film comes out and that's fine. So, but it doesn't like changes don't bother me if they deviate from the the source material it doesn't bother me as long as it makes sense narratively in the film like if i understand it like i don't care that you made this change yeah i mean i i kind of i would agree with that i also think like obviously the the book is better than the movie is a common trope and we would all probably agree with I, that. I feel like most people that's usually when you've read the book first certainly yeah but i'm always like you i would rather I don't care about the source material if the movie works. So like Flower, Beth will mention Flower Moon here. So I guess I'll keep reading. But uh, to me, I don't care that they change Flower Moon a lot because I'm just like, does the movie work as a movie is more important to me than if they got like a lot of the- the, Because a lot of the stuff is just inspired by the book or based on the book. It's not a straight adaptation. And then the next part of Beth's email. Do you feel that filmmakers, both indie and the established, feel an obligation to their audience to stay within the source material? Are they attempting to draw from the audience the book readership established, or they do not care about that at all and are only wanting to tell the story that they want to tell without regard to history, source, aesthetic art, etc.? I personally think that books and stories they tell are alive, which is why I put that in quotes, bring a book to life. Uh, I have not seen Oppenheimer, as I understand. It is based on the book American Prometheus, but I hope to see it when it comes out on the Blu-ray format on DVD. Today. Uh, Today, I got it right here, Joyce. I got my 4K. You opened it already? Not yet. I'm going to watch it with my parents on uh, Thanksgiving night. Can't wait. Uh, but I will read the book first. It's on the reserve list at my local library where the wait list is long. But I have heard from my book reading friends and fellow movie to book, book to movie skeptics that Christopher Nolan's adaptation won't have me fuming. I will not be seeing Kills the Flower Moon because from what I've heard and seen, it misre- tells a misrepresented story. I might might watch it if it ever comes out on DVD. I will not be paying Apple TV to see it if that's the only source available for viewing. Uh, and if only if Lily Gladstone wins multiple awards for her performance. As far as I'm concerned, Apple and Scorsese should have damn well thought about this before they undertook this project. So unfair to Lily and the less well-known actors. I love books and their stories. Live in a location where the closest IMAX is two to three hours away which is generally confused are the kinds of decisions and choices the industry is making based on who they think might come to their films. Uh, goes on here. I saw the holdovers on a Wednesday afternoon and there were 20 people in the smallest theater. The multiplex had 16 theaters. I think the younger person that I saw there was probably late 30s. The oldest was 70s. I saw Barbie this summer and I've grown to love what Greta Gerwig is doing and I hope she continues to do it. I was very fearful of yet another adaptation of Little Women because so many of those movies actually stick too closely to the original which makes it largely inaccessible to modern audiences. I need not have worried. I own both the movie and the soundtrack on CD. And I like what Denny Villeneuve is doing with Dune. And I look forward to Greta Gerwig and her company are going to do with Narnia. So a little, little sidetrack there. 
the end. But thank you, yeah. Beth, for the email. Um, I, I also love Greta Gerwig's Little Women, a book I read as a child, and I loved her adaptation. And she made changes that I thought were great. I think that's the thing. I think I like one of the things here Beth was saying. I think most directors are not actually trying to stay state of the source material. Yeah. Because like you, no matter what you're adapting from a book, there are going to be changes, whether really slight, um, that, you know, everyone can just brush off, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, and sometimes they make big changes or they have to condense stuff. You know, I mean, that happens with real stories too. Like we talked about Iron Claw last week, they eliminated a whole brother. <laughs> And and Ridley talking about uh Napoleon, a lot of a yeah. lot of shortcuts taken there. Yeah. You know, like it just happens. You're not gonna if you're gonna you're you're not gonna go to a movie to get complete uh it's not a documentary, and even documentaries have to leave stuff out yeah. too. Like this is a dramatization of something right. of a book. And I think the best filmmakers and the best at adaptations are people who have a point of view and use that as an inspiration, like you said, and kind of like tell the story they want to tell that remains faithful to the book, but is its own thing, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I, I, I think what, you know, Marty did with flower moon, I, you know, I think it is an interesting move to flip it and not tell it from the FBI POV, like it is in the book. Right. You Do know, you when people are voting, and we maybe have talked about this, but it's, since she's talking about adaptations here, when people are voting, do you think they're, how do they, how do they consider adapted? Are, are they familiar with the source material? I don't yeah. Think. How do they consider, like, what are they looking for in adapted screenplay? I honestly think they're just voting for their favorite film. Right. And it or just like so the happens. script they like the most. Like, I don't think a lot of them are thinking about the source material. Um. No. Or have even like read the source material <laughs> if it's a book, and I mean like like Coda winning like how many people do you think watch the French film? None. Exactly. <laughs> no, just, they just love that movie. It made them right. cry. So, right. so I, and, I I agree. I actually don't think they like. It's weird that they're you're awarding adapted screenplay. And I wouldn't want to get rid of a screenplay category because I like that two movies could win. But I don't think people are really, I think they're just picking the movies they like, not the best adaptation. Yeah, or like the best script. You know, I think sometimes the best script does win. Um, But yeah, I don't, I, but when they're, maybe, maybe like when it's, you know, nomination phase, like branch voting, like the actual writers do, but it, like the winner phase when everyone is voting. I'll give writers credit. I think they might do that. Yeah. Uh, email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. This one's from Cameron. Hi, Joyce and Chris. If Annette Bening wins this year, in my books, it will be the first, quote, overdue Oscar for Best Actress since Julianne Moore. By this, I mean that there is not much love for the movie or even the performance, but a lot of love for the actress and a general feeling that they should have already won. I was wondering which of the two movies, Still Alice or Naya, do you prefer and who actually gives the better performance and how much do you think Annette has a chance of winning compared to Julianne Moore. He also has other stuff that I will talk about, but let's, let's answer that first. What do you think, Joyce? Um, I haven't seen Still Alice since it came out. Okay. I would <laughs> no. say, uh, I would go Nyad. Um, uh, I probably will too, just because ironically, I don't remember <laughs> much about Still Alice. <laughs> but I think, you know, Julianne, I uh, got very lucky that year. I mean, she's great. I'm very happy she's an Oscar winner. Great performance in the film, but that was a very weak year. 
for Best Actress. And this is not a weak year for Best Actress. So that's tough for Annette. It's funny for Annette. I feel like if this was, uh, no disrespect to Jessica Chest, if it was any of these other recent years, maybe not last year, because obviously it was really competitive, but like, I think she could have won. But I'm not sure she's going to win this year, Annette. But I do. I mean, I'm not even sure she is getting in. It's going to be very. It would be tight if she gets in. Yeah. Um. Also, this is Cameron continues. I would like to query Joyce's love for Friends. I adore Friends, and I've been recently going through a rewatch binge, which I do every two years or so. But I was confused by Joyce's statement that she watches it every day. When does she do this? At the start of the day? Before she goes to bed? I'm generally just very interested. Also, I want to know what her favorite quote episode and which of the six friends she relates to most. Well, obviously Chandler. Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite episode? I have multiple favorite episodes. So I I don't have just one. I'm actually wearing uh, my Moistmaker shirt right now for Thanksgiving. Wow. If you know that reference. I don't. Someone with Rasa sandwich. I don't remember. He Monica makes uh using Thanksgiving leftovers a sandwich and she puts an extra slice of gravy soaked bread in the middle. And Ross calls it the moist maker. And then his boss at work ate it. So then he loses his shit. My sandwich, my sandwich, and then he gets put on sabbatical. The sandwich was the only good thing going on in his life. Um, but my favorite seasons are four, five, six. Okay. I think those are the best seasons. So I, and I watch Friends every day because it's on Nick and Knight every day. So I can just turn it on and leave it on. Put it on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I know like all the episodes by heart, but if like, if there's nothing on, um then I just I put that on you know if like last night I like tapped out mm-hmm. of the football game so I just went to friends that makes sense so but I've also since Matthew died I've also uh started a rewatch of the whole series of course I mean I also watch it on max too like sometimes like and that that's when I usually like start with a season four episode okay my favorites okay. um but I think like the best episodes are obviously the one of the embryos mm-hmm. which is the quiz episode i did an oral history on that episode for the oh. 20th anniversary five years ago i'll have to google it google um, you don't need to oh. um Sorry. and uh and then the the one where everyone finds out about monica and chandler that one i remember yeah they don't know that we know they know we know um a lot of great thanksgiving episodes you know they're iconic thanksgiving episodes the one of all the Thanksgivings, um, the one where Ross got high, Rachel's trifle. Okay. You know, and uh, I, I, I tend not to watch season 10 that much because it just kind of makes me sad because I know the show is ending. Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my favorite and that's how I watch it every day. Okay. And then last bit from Cameron, just shameless plug here. I'm so glad you guys might be doing more Oscar playbacks for the 80s this time around because they're my favorite thing. However, I do have a suggestion. Could you possibly do Emmy's playback or Golden Globes playback? Because I think that would be really amazing. Oh, my God. Put that in the... I don't know how many Globe ceremonies are online. That's, That's the, the problem, problem with, I feel like, a lot of these is the Oscars ones I know we could find and we have. Yeah, because they have, they're organized. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, like the only thing they could talk about are Globe winners because they don't even upload speeches no. of themselves. No. You know, I know like I've come across some full Globe ceremonies that, you know, users have just uploaded themselves, but they're few and far in between. This one's from James Joyce. Uh, hello to all the slugfesters. Hello. Uh, my question, what is the unofficial ranking of precursor award events in importance and prestige, especially since all the Globes drama? Is getting the Golden Globe nomination still a big deal as it used to be, or did the Hollywood elite see the Critics' Choice as the most prestigious award before the year is over? How do you rank the precursors? For example, in no particular order, Critics' Choice, BAFTA, SAG, Golden Globes, Gotham, Spirit Awards, and New York Film Critics Circle. When I'm talking to my friends who do not follow the awards circuit, and I have three friends who have seen more movies in the Gold Derby's top 15 ranked films and lead acting odds than I have, meaning I'm going to a lot... I'm going a lot off of their reviews than normal. They don't seem to understand me when I start talking about what performances will get in at the Globes versus the Oscars. How would you rank these precursors, Joyce? So are we just talking televised precursors? Are we including, like he said, like New York? I think we should include everything, but I would personally put a preference on televised ceremonies if I'm ranking. Because I, I, I look at the like the quote unquote real critics like LA, New York, National Society, separate from like Critics' Choice, which I definitely televise. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, I put televised and not televised separate. Yeah. For me, the televised is important because like I'm a, you want to, you're, the performances are the performances. And by that point, everybody has seen probably all the movies and they know the performances, but then it's going to get down to if it's a close race, if somebody wins and they give a great speech, that's going to help. If somebody wins and they give a speech that's meh, that might actually not help. So how would you rank them, the televised ones? I still think Globes is first uh, because I do think it's still like the most, like you were saying, we've said this before, it's the one every normie knows because it's been around the longest and it still holds sway. And so like while it wasn't on TV and it wasn't like a big deal last year when it was on TV, it still was on TV. And so like, I think people know it. Now this year it'll be on channel CBS and Paramount Plus. So I still think the Globes is top. I would probably say after that SAG because the actors are important. And this year it'll be on Netflix, right? Presumably or on their YouTube page or where is it this year? I don't even know. It's streaming on Netflix. And so the fact that it's on Netflix will greatly help its visibility. And I'm sure they will be promoting it like crazy. And there's a good chance many of their movies could compete there. So they'll have an added reason to promote it so i put sag next then i would put bafta because while it's not as i think from an industry it's very significant then i would probably say the critics choice awards well below those other three yeah i would rank it the same like even though globes is not industry like sag and bafta but like you said it is the oldest one of these and the most commonly known to normies like again my friends know what it is they don't know what the SAG awards are they don't know what critics choice are they don't know what BAFTA is but they know what the globes are and they've definitely seen at least you know like five minutes of a globe ceremony at some point in their lives or an ad for it you know um and and also because it's the first one um and the stars do turn out you know like last year when it was returning to tv there was 
you know all this like hand wringing about like oh like who's actually gonna go now like you know and give them the time of day and like people went you know like because they still um you know they're still campaigning whether you know whether they're forced to to go or not but like you know they went <laughs> and it's still viewed as an important step on the trail um and it it can really kick off your your televised momentum like we've seen a lot of campaigns shift when yeah. the televised awards start like you you think someone was out or like they were not winning a lot of the high brow critics awards but it doesn't matter once the televised award starts it's gonna flip and yeah. like this person sweeps you know so and then we've seen now with the condensed calendar just a lot of rubber stamping and globes is first so they like a lot of people just like to piggyback off of the globes yeah just copy and paste you know yep. no mind of their own and then sag i would put a distant second because again i don't think most regular people know what it is or like know where to find it or have seen it maybe yeah. they're watching you know like supernatural or charmed on tnt and then it comes on afterwards back when it was on tnt right you know? Um, but they don't know what it is, but, but it's still industry. And like you said, actors, largest branch. And then I would do BAFTA, even though I have no idea where it airs here, like BBC America, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, and again, like most normies in America don't know what it is, but again, still industry. And then Critics' Choice Last, also that's hard to find, is it now on the CW? It was last year. I don't actually don't know where it is now. Yeah, but it moves around. I, I remember when it was on A&E and E, um, but that's not industry at all. Um, and uh, low impact, I would say. Yeah. But, you know, just another stop, you know, you could go give a speech. So, I mean, there are people definitely who think last year that Kate Blanchett was hurt by her speeches compared no. to Michelle. I know you don't believe that. I don't know if I even believe it, but I do know that Kate Blanchett might not have been hurt, but Michelle Yeoh's speeches were, Michelle Yeoh's presence as on her speeches helped her, I would say. I don't think it hurt I would hurt say Kate, it's more the but, the social reaction to the speeches than right. what the actual perception of the speeches within the industry. Okay. Okay. So this, this one's uh, next up from Damien. Hi, Joyce and Chris. I don't think Killian Murphy needs to campaign for the Oscar, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on his strategy, which appears to be, I am here and I love cheese. Oh, Honestly, love it's so quite brilliant. It really makes him relatable. That's from Damien. The best. I love him. I love that they pried him out of his home in Ireland and forced him to come to LA to do these Q&As this weekend. Uh, um, great campaign. We, Just... we, we didn't mention this in the Bradley talk, but I would say, the Oppenheimer team is is out in force and Killian too. They're not going to let, they're not just yeah, like they, resting they on- they force them to come out here. <laughs> they're not resting on their laurels uh, and their box office and the reviews. They are a front runner and they're kind of like going for it. Yeah, they also had um, a crafts panel last mm -hmm. week with Chris. And, and yeah, this weekend it's been Killian, Emily Blunt and RDJ. And I just love this trio because we know how charming and lovely and funny Emily and RDJ are. And Killian is just happy to let them go at it. It's great. You know, like all these clips and these Q&As, I'm like, I love it so much because this man, he just wants to be at home with his dog eating cheese. That's all he wants in this life. And, you know, he'll diligently come out and, you know, promote 
and campaign, but he's not going to go hard. But you can just tell, like, he'd just rather be at home with his night cheese. So I love it so much. And I, I think, I don't think he needs to do anything else, like, anymore. Like, I don't think he needs to, like, show that he's thirsty. Like, this is who he is. And the, it's not and the, like the performance speaks for itself. That's it. So. It really does. It doesn't need to nearly do much else. Uh, we yeah, got a couple and then of he things. also has like Emily and RDJ praising him, which so, is like, great. great. Like he's right next to them, and then they're just singing his praises. So and they're like kind of like you know the kings and queens of Hollywood, right there. I feel like everybody loves those guys. Uh, a couple of Thanksgiving ones, two different ones. This one first was from Helen. Not really a question, but please list this year's Oscar contenders as Thanksgiving side dishes. Um. Okay, well, how <laughs> should we like pick the side dishes first? Or are we just going through films and naming a side dish? It might be better to pick to bottle the ends here. Let's pick side dishes: mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts. Well, how many are we doing? <laughs> I mean, how many side dishes? Cranberry sauce, canned what cranberry sauce, dishes? sweet potatoes, stuffing. Hmm. Well, I love Brussels sprouts, which I know a lot of people don't like. Okay. So what is polarizing? Maybe saltburn is Brussels sprouts. Okay. <laughs> I would say uh, poor things is stuffing. Because it's a lot there, of shit. There's a lot together. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, but there's a lot of shit in it that's thrown together. I want to say Holdovers is cranberry because it, it's, it's a Christmas movie. And I also associate like red with. I was thinking Barbie would be canned cranberry sauce because it's like manufactured and you think it should be bad, but it's actually awesome. But well, I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of cranberry. So that's the thing. Okay. okay. That, that that's makes my, sense. that's my personal preference. Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, cause there's canned cranberry. That's what and, I'm saying for Barbie it would be canned. So, I mean, the I classic. guess, but then like holdovers, it's just cranberries. Got it. Which is mashed potatoes. Hmm. Kind of a, a side that I think I enjoy. It's very I love, much. I love mashed potatoes. It's not something that's flashy. It's a little utility, utility, you know, utility side. Yeah, I don't know because it's like like Oppenheimer's flashy. Maestro, maybe. Maybe Maestro. Because it's there, you know, it's going to get a it's lot of there, and it's good, and it's and, good. Yeah. Uh, pumpkin pie does that count? That's a dessert. Well, we okay. could do like like green beans, I guess. Yeah, you know, green bean or like green bean casserole. Yeah, that's pretty great. I I love that. So, I don't know what's that. Mm. Kill mm. his flower moon? I don't know. No, tur do you think there's a there's a turkey? Well, actually, that's the next one. That was for Maggie, so we, we could just go to that. She wrote us in it's like as a gold derby. Which Oscar contender is the turkey, and which one is a turkey? <laughs> well, I don't know if we can say which one is a turkey. There's, I would say if we were, we could do this maybe next year. I would say if I'm looking at last year's Oscar contenders, Bardo would have been a turkey or, or like the sun or empire of light. Which uh, is the turkey is maybe Oppenheimer because it's the biggest. Yeah, biggest it's the one. biggest movie. I mean, like Barbie is bigger, but it's like, yeah. this, this also has the prestige and the, 
you know, I mean, it's like, they're both important that right. they have a message, but yeah. And, yeah. and that, you know, they both have a, a golden brown hue. Love it. Love a you. Love yeah. that. Good questions. Uh, this one's from you. We love themed questions. I do. So if you're going to write themes, we start sending Christmas ones in. <laughs> Uh, this one is from Hugo. Email at slugfestigoldery. I'm a little more serious. Now that the SAG after strike is over, performers are going all in to campaign in a very short window. Bradley Cooper appears to be everywhere, doing the absolute most for Maestro. That's probably not unusual. That's probably not that unusual for him. But do you think cramming 84 events into every single day is actually going to have an impact on any of the races where people made up their minds already? Uh I personally don't think people have made up their minds yet. I feel like it's still early days. Uh, well, yeah, because I think this is also this is doubling as also a promo tour. Yes. Um, sure. so I'd say it's like it's half promo, half campaigning. It's two birds, one stone. Yeah. I would say it it won't make a difference later on in the season. No, when, but I, are, when everyone has seen things. When everyone had seen things, I think that matters. But I like I always say, people want to vote for somebody they like, and they're also like have a connect. If they like, if Bradley is shaking hands and kissing babies, it'll help that he kissed and shook all the hands and kissed all the babies. And I think people will be like, I like that. I like seeing Bradley Cooper at this event, and you know, I'm gonna vote for him. I I do think that matters, especially for you know, I think there's always gonna be like one or two like locked in people. Now he's like to me, he's like on the top. He maybe doesn't need to do it because I think like he's an almost automatic best actor nominee whether he wins or not feels like he would be in but i do think it'll help him in the other categories where maybe he's more of a uh, you know borderline contender like screenplay or director i don't know um i mean i think because it, it's like he's also someone who's so famous you know and i understand like some people would just want to meet him because people like to meet celebrities so um, so they just want to go up to him after a Q&A and shake his hand and say, good job and talk, you know. Um, but I I think it, it would matter more for less famous people right. than a famous person. So, so Charles Melton would matter. Um, yeah, because I do think there is kind of like a bias mm -hmm. of like, who is this guy? You know, or people just look at his IMDb and be like, oh, he was on Riverdale and dismiss him. I, yeah. You know? So I think him getting out there will be really helpful. People will enjoy him. Yeah. Like, I think there might be more of an unfair bias against him than against, you know, like Dominic Sessa, because he's just a newcomer, like right. literally his first movie. Right. You know, I think that's kind of exciting. I think they're both exciting, but I think if you're, like looking at it, it as like, oh, this guy was on Riverdale. It's this very dismissive. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but yeah, he just needs to have his mom make some more kimchi. Last one here. This is from Claire. Emailed us at Slugfest at Gold Derby. It's been nearly 20 years since Fantasia Barina won American Idol. Now that she's starring in The Color Purple, what are your thoughts on its Oscar chances and her chances overall? Could she become the latest American Idol alum to win an Oscar? We kind of talked about this, but good place to end it. Uh, that has been, you know, one of her uh, media narratives, I guess, like people pointing out that next year is the 20th anniversary of her win. I don't think it matters. I too don't think it matters. Uh, and I think even if she were to get in, anything could happen once you get in, but I just feel like it would be hard to imagine that she would win 
based on how based on what we presume the other nominees are it just feels like such a really competitive category yeah i mean i'm just saying like i don't i don't think you could use like idol as a boost for her no i don't think so um i mean i think it like people would like to be reminded of her one i guess but it might also make them feel very old because it's been 20 years <laughs> and um but yeah i think like you know idol is is still on but it's nowhere you know it's way past its heyday i think it's kind of different also when j-hud won back then because it was still big back then and it was also just like i can't believe like an american idol loser because she didn't even win was gonna win an oscar and it was kind of like haha idol look what you missed out on right you know uh last one because we had a couple of people emailing this so i'm not going to read specific ones but uh our old pal david l wrote a long email david i'm sorry i'm not reading the whole thing but you did mention this and somebody else too jimmy kimmel back to host the oscars choice that was another bit of news oh but also like not news because i'm like sure not surprising you know who i like hosting the oscars jimmy kimmel i think he's actually really good at it i think it's fine you know me i don't care about the hosts and i think he does a solid job every time he's done it including envelope gate like you just kind of need someone to move the show along. Yeah. And I think you can do that. I always feel like I'm always it's funny, he always he seems like he gets like so he hosts, like you said, Envelope Gate was like shocking and crazy. And they brought him back. And, he the got a year. <laughs> and then last year he had to do the damage control from the previous year with the slap. And so now he gets like free pass to not actually have to care about that aspect of it, which I find interesting. Yeah. Um so his, his I think like host. he's he's reliable. Yeah. And I think I, I I don't know. I think people want a lot from hosts. I don't know if we're like spoiled by Billy Crystal. I mean, you know, Hugh Jackman was also great. I think he's the best host of the century, I think. But um yeah, like I just need someone, you know, to just like say a couple jokes at the beginning and then go away. And then just give out the awards. The thing and that came, like, I, 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 we talk, I like you, Jackman, obviously, is like paramount. He is like the, the pinnacle of Oscar hosts in the century. The thing that Jimmy does great that I think he gets from Billy Crystal is that Billy Crystal was friends with everybody in the room. And so, like, was able to, like, kind of make some jokes and, like, people not going to take it. They're not going to be hurt, no hurt feelings. And, like, he kind of is doing his thing. And Jimmy is like that too. He's friends with everybody. So, it does feel like that makes him really an adept Oscars host. We also really need Air to be nominated now because Matt Damon will be there. So we'll or have is it funnier show. if it's not nominated so he could just well, shit then all over Matt But Damon. then like Matt won't be there. That's the thing. Like Matt would go if it's nominated for something. You know, even you don't if think he'd go at all, even if it's not? No. Do you um, think Air could get in Best Picture? I think it's getting harder. Me too. Um, I don't have it in. So, but, you know, I want another, you know, we bought a zoo. It'd be so good. Parody. And then I want him to be introduced as uh, and guest with Ben Affleck again. So. Fingers crossed. And then, like, you know, they were supposed to do a bit before Envelope Gate, so. I know. We never got to see it. Fingers crossed. Joyce, it was a great show. Happy Thanksgiving, I guess. If you're watching, um, have fun seeing Wish again. I will. Can't wait to tell you all about it. And the Marvels, we're probably going to see, which I still haven't seen. 
Uh, and we'll be back next week with more stuff. What we got next week is we could preview New York Film Critics Circle maybe next week. Yes, um, it's starting. Can't wait. All right, bye. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at Gold Derby. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.